Welcome back, everyone, to R2 Cast number 143. Our last episode was with Claire Whittle, who has the best name on Instagram I've seen. She is a vet. Her name is Claire Whittle, and she goes by Dr. Do Whittle, which I think is absolutely genius. But she speaks a lot about the importance of um, dung beetles in livestock systems. So, uh, a discussion I didn't expect to have. <clears throat> I knew when I brought her on that I would um, be having it. But uh, yeah, it was a really interesting chat. And Claire was the Nuffield scholar, which was really interesting. And, and brings me on to a point that I do want to say. The last episode I had with Claire, I mentioned that I was in the last stage of Nuffield Scholarship and I was going down to London for the, the last interview. Since then, I have been successful, so I am now a Nuffield Scholar, which will be starting as of next month, so quite exciting times for those that listen quite often. Um, the plans are to travel to Japan, Singapore, Holland and Switzerland and potentially Africa, as well as Brazil and France, along with the rest of the group. So quite a lot of exciting things coming there. The next episode we have, number 144, is with Neris Lewis, who is part of Wentwood Young Farmers in South Wales, um, very much involved in sort of rural youth Europe, goes to a lot of um, young farmers rallies in Europe as well, and, and sort of quite a notable name in the young farmer side of things in Wales. And I spent a, a weekend at Neris's uh, house along with the rest of our young farmers in a caravan, which was great fun, really good cracks, so there'll be good memories to talk about there. But with, today we have... <coughs> Arguably, maybe, uh, maybe the most famous farm, certainly a notably famous farm in the UK, uh, one that I'm sure some of you are aware of. That the the guests today are currently shaking their head head off camera, but I, I don't know if they can fully disagree with it. But that is uh, Cannon Hall Farm, and today we have Richard <coughs> Richard and Roger Nicholson on to talk about the story of Cannon Hall Farm. Gents, would you like to say hello? Hi there, great hello. to be here. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A-Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm very much looking forward to it. I always sort of like to hear these sort of stories are slightly different, aren't they? You know, where where we have a, a farm uh, maybe to to tell the story of is really interesting, but to sort of see how how it sort of came into the limelight is is a story in itself, which we will will absolutely, of course, get into. Um. But what we, we quite like to do on the podcast is right at the start is, is hear a bit about yourself. So so could you give us a bit of background about yourselves, guys, before we actually get into the farm as well? And and then maybe a bit about how you originally took over the farm and why you took over the farm. Yeah, I think that's one for you, Dad. Okay, well, uh, originally we, uh, we we farmed at the other side of Barnsley uh, and... Uh, Unfortunately, we, we lost most of the land by compulsory purchase okay. uh, for council housing and schools and things. And so we, we sort of ended up with a, a couple of fields left and, and nowhere to go, really. So uh, the, the, the sale of Cannon Hall Farm came up at, uh, at an appropriate time. And my father sort of... Uh, who wasn't a well man, he, he, he'd sort of uh, had heart troubles for quite a few years uh, and he really was advised not to uh, not to go into business again really but he wasn't that sort of fella, he, uh, he liked to uh, he liked to be doing things and uh, so he, he, we, we came and we uh, because compulsory purchase means they only get the agricultural price, which was £60 an acre at the time. Uh, and so uh, we, we we used that money. And, and so he, he used to work for the ministry doing uh, calf subsidy work. Uh, and uh, he, he'd put all that aside and, and, and he, we bought Caranol Farm. Uh, About we, 1958, that 1958, was we bought Cannon Hall Farm. It was £7,100, which sounded an enormous amount of money at that time. And now it wouldn't build a garage, would it? So, uh, it's you barely get the gates for the farm at that nowadays. Like, 
Uh, yes, it did. It did seem a, a, a lot of money. It was. It was. Well, it was the the, the value at that, that time. It, it was so uh, you can't sort of get away from that. Uh, and and we we moved up to Cannon Hall Farm, and uh, uh, my father he only lived a year uh, while. Uh, after buying it, he, he enjoyed it a year uh, up here, uh, and uh, he did thoroughly enjoy that year. And then he just had a heart attack, and uh, while well, I was I was still at school at that time, right? Uh, and uh, well, I, I I had to take take over the farm then. When my, my mother was sort of uh, doing the books and things like that, <clears throat> and. Uh, Neighbor, neighbors, one in particular came and helped a great deal, and I will always be sort of very grateful for that help that he uh, he put in. And uh, we we sort of progressed. We had a traditional farm. We had we we used to grow wheat, barley. We always had about eight to ten acres of potatoes. Uh, and it was a very traditional. We had pigs, we had sheep, we had we had cattle, uh, and we we went on like everybody else did in those days. But uh, time times took over, and we we found it quite difficult to. Uh, well, I I got I got out there by then. I got married, and and I got three lads, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, as time went on, we we had to find something. For them to do, and uh, by diversifying the farm, we uh, we sort of started the open farm idea. It was something I'd, I'd I'd looked into, but there was only two or three farms in the whole of the country that were doing anything like that. One one of them was um, Cotswold. Uh, Cotswold Farm. Um, uh, Adam Adam Henson's father. Uh, went down there, looked around there. There was another in Devon, and we looked around that. And there was one at um, Derbyshire, Chatsworth. Chatsworth. Those were the three that I knew about at that time, which is thirty-five years ago. So, uh, and we decided we'd, we'd we'd have a go, and and we we gradually uh, built things up from there. It's a it's quite a quite an inspiring story here, that Roger. I didn't realise that. At the age that you were sort of left, obviously your your mom's still in charge of the books and assistance from a neighbour, but you still had quite an undertaking for a, for a school lad, if you will. How 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 was that at the time? Did you realise quite how big a deal that was at the time, or or did you just feel it had to happen and, and it happened? Well, it, well, it happened, and uh, I I'd always done things on the farm right from being sort of a, a, a good walk about really. Uh, so I'd always been a farmer, as you might say, even though a, a, a young farmer. And uh, he was milking cows by under eight years old. Was, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that was my that was my job when I came home from school. I always had uh, a couple of cows to milk, and uh, and it it gives you a, a grounding in in things that you have to do and. Uh, I I always enjoyed it. I used to go around with my father on this calf calf certified certified oh, certification job. He used to they had to come to a certain standard, and then it clip clipped their ears, and then they couldn't be they couldn't actually uh, apply again for it because he'd had a hole in his ear. Uh, and I used to help him, and I I used to sort of uh, if the farmer wasn't too good at now I'd be uh, sort of uh, twelve to fourteen years old while that was going on, and I used to grab the grab there for the calves and uh, hold them while he, he sort of clipped them and that sort of thing. So yeah, I was always involved in it, and uh, it was it was something I just carried on. But I mean, as a sixteen-year-old, you you're forced to make mistakes. You uh, you do things that. He thinks right at the time, and uh, I don't know. You've got you've got different ideas, and uh, so some worked, some didn't, and, and that's we struggled on for a year or two. Uh, 
we did have somebody working for us at that particular time because, as I said, I was still at school for for the first little bit, and he stayed he stayed with me while I was twenty one years old, and then he he went and took a job at the local pipe works for a bit more money. He, I think he got five children, so he uh, he needed a bit, a bit more income and uh, a bit easier job. I think he said so. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we. we at uh, 21, then I, I had to sort of take the, the, all of the decisions that were going, and uh, and uh, here we are after all that time. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. Yeah, it's, it really is commendable. It is that, for sure. And uh, what what size, what area of land was bought when you bought it? Did you say 58, is that right? Pardon? 58. No, it was 1958. Yeah, it was yes, 1958. Cool. It was 126 acres altogether. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we had a little bit uh, left until we sold it to the other farm. Uh, but uh, 126 acres, were, which are 105 acres of workable land in that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's interesting looking back at that, isn't it? Because obviously, inflation yeah. over the course of, what's that, 70, no, 63 years? Is that right? One, eight, 63 years. Right. Yeah. It's longer as well. 65. Right. Well, no, I'm, I'm 80 now, uh, 64 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 64 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we know prices have increased since then. Inflation is obviously a thing, but it's it's quite interesting just to look at, at land prices now, and especially <clears throat> maybe not maybe it's come down somewhat at the minute. But in previous years, looking at the prices that we saw land prices shoot up to with with a uh, with the tree influx and whatnot, it's a uh, it's kind of mental the price that things have progressed and just seeing that progressing progression, especially for yourself, Roger, being in the same yeah. place throughout that period of time. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about there was only uh, four, including yourself, uh, places that that had even considered tourism. So three doing it when you were starting to think about it. Did did that in itself um, excite you, or did that worry you that there was only three that you were aware of? Um, was that did you see that as a potential, or was it also a bit like, oh my god, why are only three people doing this? <clears throat> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we. Uh... I think we'd always we'd thought about it for a while because we're we're right next to a country park and a museum, so that had a, there were always people around. So we'd always thought that there was a potential for some of those to come and visit us. Yes. So we had been thinking about it. We opened a tea room in 1981, which was our first little foray into into diversification. And people were coming to that. We only opened it on weekends in summer. It wasn't a big mm-hmm. thing. But we did always, we'd always got it at the back of our mind, I think, that yeah. it was a, a potential site to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, the, the tea room just started it off and uh, and they, it was sort of a whole family, uh, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> well, enterprise. Yeah, enterprise, yes. Uh, my, my wife and uh, her friend, uh, they they sort of uh, indulged in the in the cooking and the baking and whatever. Uh, it, it wasn't. It was a fifty three seat seat. Uh, yeah. Tea room. And it just put us on the first step of the yeah, ladder. Yeah, I mean, when we'd done the first day, we, I think we'd taken twenty twenty six or twenty eight pounds or something like that, yeah. and. Seemed, they were exhausted. It seemed like <laughs> it seemed like a, a, a little bit disappointing, but it's surprising how, after a few weeks, it started to build up, and we, we gradually got better at it. And uh, and yeah, it, it was. It turned out to be quite a successful little little enterprise, and uh, it encouraged us to take the next step. I think then. And how long was it just a tea room? How long did you just have that 53 seater? How long was that for? Eight years. Eight years, right. 
Yeah. So we weren't really, we, we didn't chuck ourselves in no. straight away, did we? No, no. We, well, we, we, we were quite busy. We, you yeah. know, we were, we, were, we were entirely... He was farming as well. He was sort of, he was cooking in the in the tea room on, on a weekend. But when you say cooking, no, toasted I was, sandwiches. I was, I was the hey. toaster. Yeah. <laughs> But, so I had to have a big scrub up and uh, and, and uh, <laughs> go in and do that job on the weekend, and uh, I, I was quite meticulous about what I did because yeah. uh, you can't, you can't, uh, you know. It, it was quite a posh little tea room, you know, really, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, uh, and people really liked it. We we uh, cream teas and, uh, and meringues, massive meringues. They seemed to be the things that were quite. Well, people famous for in that. People this, still talk yeah. about those meringues, even though when Rosemary left yeah. the business, the, the meringues disappeared with us. <laughs> I'd quite like to bring them back somewhere, really. I'm I'm writing a cookbook at the moment, and uh, I'm going to put those meringues in it and my mum's scone recipe, because uh, they were sort of the foundations of the whole food side of the business. Really. you let you have it. Well, she's already. I've already got it. <laughs> it's not been hidden away. <laughs> but it does say that in the recipe, it does say that you use two banty eggs. Okay, than, it's definitely uh, banties, yeah. All one hen egg. But it, the original recipe is two banty eggs, so I don't know how well people will do it getting them. You know, like, oh, I was going to say, well, well, how many folk that will be reading that recipe will have a clue what that means? <laughs> <laughs> What's the, the boys, they they had quite a lot of bantams. It uh, it was their their hobby and that, so uh, that's why we had bantam eggs at the time. <laughs> I like that. It's very specific. It's it's so it's so real that like you know, um, I banty eggs in a recipe or something like that. That takes me back to me being a kid. In fairness, I, mum would have said that I banty eggs, not. Not full Enix. It's not like <laughs> um, funny, it, funnily enough, I've, I've still got some banties at the moment, which yeah. are laying quite heavily. Yeah, yeah I, used, I used a couple of their eggs the other night, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. yeah. The meringues will still be up to standard then, that's not totally. <laughs> um, well, turkey eggs sometimes went in there as well. Okay. Right, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, t- tell us about the farm as a farm at this stage. So what was being run... Uh, sort of through the 80s because I assume things changed as as tourism side came in but how was the run being farm the farm being run at that point as a farm yeah I, we, we sort of used to grow our own cereal for, for feeding and uh, and roll it or grind it uh, and we 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 got to uh, sort of suckle a herd uh, and a multi-suckle herd as well, because we 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 made we we did, we did what we call a cow house. I don't know what you call it in your area, but there's mist or cow house buyer or whatever buyer barn um, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was only for ten cows. Now I meant making a, a very big investment to uh, to go into to dairy in a big way and. Uh, I decided not to. Well, it, it was too much money to raise at the at the time. So we we went. The cows that had milk, some of them we used to keep uh, and rear five or six cows on on each cow really at that particular time. Uh, and uh, we always had some some sows. We and used to have uh, real litters and. At that time, originally, we used to sell them as wieners. Okay. Later on, we went on and, and fattened them and uh, and finished them. But that was a big turning point in in uh, in in sort of starting the butcher's butcher shop that we did because uh, we decided that you were getting so little money, yeah, weren't you? We, for... we, we weren't making it pay fattening pigs and like a fiver for a lamb and what. That was what started us on on the way. Uh, yeah, we always had sheep, sheep and lambing time. It was a proper mixed farm. That we and potatoes were a sort of we used to supply chip shops and things like that with, with potatoes. Uh, and it. We we managed through, but it wasn't giving us the sort of living that you'd you'd sort of like to keep your 
three lads and uh, well, you're you're a cat. <laughs> so thirty years, basically, the most you ever made in a year was like seven hundred quid. Well, it was really. it was it was sort of that sort of yeah. yeah. Because but, you know well, you've got to think though that farming values and that were yeah, yeah. you know that uh, it, it wasn't giving us a massive in, in, income so. Uh, that's why we the diversification idea came in and, and gradually grew, and uh, it's grown quite a lot just lately. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> um, and I think I think a lot of the listeners will be quite interested because diversification is a massive thing. I mean, I did my undergraduate dissertation on diversification as a sort of potential way of keeping farms viable post Brexit because I've yeah. done it just around the Brexit time, and uh, I think. So many people are looking at that now and, you know, being ahead of that game by the best part of 30 years has got to be beneficial. Um, but it's still interesting to sort of consider the reasons as to why you jump into it. So you're coming to the end of the 80s and uh, you're, you're, the tea room's going very well by the sounds of things. Farm um, has certainly been supported by that. Was it, was it a big decision to jump down more in depth as to what you had go down the sort of farm park idea was it was it a scary decision or was it something that just seemed like the natural progression it, it sort of coincided with the fact that they, they were all leaving education at a fairly similar time Richard had gone to to Hull hadn't you? yeah I'm the, I'm, I'm the black sheep of the family I went to art college oh, right, Robin, okay. Dave, yeah. Robin Dave went to um, agricultural college uh, Askham Bryan and Bishop Burton yeah, but uh, yeah, and, and it was—I mean, within a within a year, that you were all coming on stream, and yeah. and they all seemed to want to stop at home. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we we that that was sort of the deciding factor, and we'd have we'd have a go at something that gave employment to them, really. Yeah, uh, and my, my, my wife, when we we sort of got established and things. She said, uh, I I only wanted three jobs, not uh, as many as you've got now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, not that's yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, tell us about starting that up. Was it was it quite easy or was it was it pretty difficult? Was there infrastructure required? Heads are already been shaken. Uh, yeah. What, what was that process like? It was a bit of a nightmare, wasn't it? Because <laughs> because we needed, they wouldn't allow us to use the existing sort of sewerage system. So we okay. had to basically put in a clagester. But we found that the only place to put it was up at the top of the yard, which meant digging down about 18 feet. So just the, we were lucky my cousin had a machine yeah. that could do it really. Otherwise, I don't know what we would have done. Well, we, we had a JCB, didn't we? We started, it, we started off with one, and it was running away with that much money that uh, yeah. we, uh, my brother-in-law, brought his machine, and uh, and it, it was a lot cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, it 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 soon ran out of uh, capacity. We, that anyway, yeah, didn't it? we had to sell a couple of. A couple of built farm buildings as houses, plus our old farmhouse. Right. Uh, luckily, we've we've got to a position where we've bought them back now. But uh, you know, at the time, that was what basically yeah, allowed they, us to. They they, fi they financed the uh, the work that we did on the farm because obviously you you've got to to make it clean and tidy for people to walk yeah. about. But there's things you don't think about, like like. Sort of people going to push push chairs and stuff on surfaces. Yeah, and, yeah. And we'd we'd sort of got a nice limestone chipping drive that we thought looked lovely, but once you got a push chair on it and it was sort of rattling the kids up and down, you realised eventually you had to get a <laughs> you got to get... a bit of tarmac down yeah. as well. Yeah. How did it feel buying back those buildings? Uh you you they're really good actually. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to have the the place back and we didn't sort of like go to people and say oh can we buy them back it was it was it just, fortuitous it just, for them to want to sell them at that time so yeah. you know yeah no no we didn't we didn't go looking for it but it, it just turned out that they they wanted to sell and uh, we were able to buy at that particular time 
that's that's a nice feel. I've, I've heard a few stories like that. Um, uh, John Campbell of Glenrath did that with a bunch of land. Um, who was the other person that done it? Was it Stephen Mitchell at the Buffalo Farm? No, I've heard that. I've, that sort of story is always quite nice. The sort of you know ha the the necessity of having to, to sell them, and then the ability that the necessity is worked off to be able to to buy them. Mm. A sort of full circle story. Um, so yeah, the 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 boring stuff, the the uh, the requirements and the sewage and the the toilets and the flat um, flat surfaces and whatnot is all settled out. What what was the actual first step on what you were offering people coming to the farm? It was just basically a few animals, wasn't it? I mean, you borrowed a cow and calf, you like a, a Dexter, so it was a little. <laughs> It was a little one that we thought was a bit more interesting than a. We bought, we borrowed some, uh, some goats. What well, um, from John? Oh uh, yeah, oh Angora goats. Angora goats. Oh, yeah. They were all the rage yeah, then. Yeah, they were the rage, and uh, we 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 borrowed some of those. We looked after them uh, for them and uh, for the use of, of the people doing that. We bought a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig. I'm gonna, yeah. to, I'm gonna have to Google that one. I've not. I don't know you know, what that like I mean, yeah. Well, Cooney Coonies became the ones that that a lot of farms had, but before yes. that, uh, Vietnamese pot-bellied pigs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we saw one first at um, at Flamingoland, I think, because yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 there was a big sign up saying uh, Vietnamese pot-bellied pig, and I pointed at it and said, "Oh, look, Daddy, a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig." And, I mean, Dad thought I was being rather offensive about the <laughs> about the pink belly. <laughs> so he said, "Oh, we should do it." So yeah, we 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 uh, it was a gradual process, but we 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 got different animals that people weren't used to looking at. Yeah, uh, pygmy goat kids were a good um, one to buy. Um, and our old farm animals, we I mean, we kept that going as well. Uh, that was part yeah. of the attraction. We always had cattle and stuff, didn't we? Uh, and which we've continued to to do. Really, we, we've we've kept it as a, a working farm. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, the real reason for doing it was to keep it a working farm because my yeah. dad wanted to farm. Yeah, basically, and he and he hated the idea of being the fat, the last one who, who, last one of his. You know, we our family have been farming since the sixteen hundreds at least. Oh, really? So, the idea of, a, of, a, of him being the last one yeah. really didn't sit well with him and no, no. didn't sit well with any of us, you yeah. know. So, you know, we, we we still, we've got, we rear over a thousand pigs yeah. every year and about 900 lambs, something like that, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they all go through the farm shop unless they go for breeding. Um, which yeah, some we, of them we, we come into that side of things where we... we we're sort of getting a better quality of stock and we're breeding sort of pedigree sheep and such. And, and, and we've done well with island cattle as well, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So even though a highland is, uh, is, is, is uh, sort of a, a beast that people love to look at, really, uh, but we've sort of uh, worked her into, into the... Uh, into the and well, I, I suppose we've got about a dozen island cows now. Yeah, we've uh, got some uh, beef short horns as well. Yeah, which... beef short horns and and I don't know. We've got quite a lot of Shire horses now, which we're uh, oh really yeah. We're... Well, there's so few people keeping them now that we sort of feel like there won't be any left before long if uh, if we don't try and keep them going. You know, how much work um, keeping a Shire horse? It's a lot, yeah. And we're lucky to be in that position, though, because we do now, we do um, animal experiences, VIP animal experiences, and yeah. and the most popular one of the lot is the Shire Horses. Right. So, you know, that we do it with various different animals. We yeah. do it with the meerkats and stuff like that, but <laughs> but the Shire Horses are well, the well, most. Yeah, they're, they're a dear animal to keep and, 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 and look after. They always seem to be... A bit of something wrong somewhere along the way. Uh, we need the vet a bit more often than we used to do. I used to have hardly any vet bills. Now, uh, <laughs> the guy I am, I'm afraid. There's but, a few now. It's not. It's not. It's not that things are, are sort of wrong. It's just 
uh, how it works out. The, the animals we're keeping, we, we've got reptiles and we've got... Uh, we've got all sorts, haven't we? Got we've got porcupines. Sorts. We've got a zoo licence now, so that's me. Oh, is, is that you a know, thing? So yeah. We require certain clearance, okay. I didn't know that. Well, we uh, we had one or two animals that uh, we, we, we'd acquired and, and we were told that we needed a, a zoo licence to continue keeping them. Right. So we went into that, and, uh, but it's quite quite a difficult line to go down, really. Uh, but we're lucky; we've got some good staff who've got who've got like degrees in zoology and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, yeah, we've we, we've 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 gone along and we've tried to make that that reptile house as as as, as nice a one as you could really. And we have lots of vets. We have lots of vets on work experience now. I've vet students on work experience every year, which is nice, yeah. you know. We're sort of lambing enough sheep and whatnot to to give them experience of, you know, what they should Should be and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. That's um, I didn't know that about the vet the not the vet, the, the zoo license. That's that's a, yeah. a a thing learned, but um oh, it's very strict, it's very strict really. Yeah. And what you can keep and what you can't keep, and uh, uh, if if you go further into it, you, the 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 rules become more onerous, really. So uh, we've kept it at a fairly low level. Uh, we don't we we don't obviously have any uh, dangerous. We've got reindeer, which if if you have uh, if you have male reindeers and such, you, it's Considered as dangerous as a, a tiger in a way. The category one. Yeah. But you know, yeah. we do we do castrate them, so yeah. So not, uh, yeah. And does does that change the category out of interest or no? Yeah, I think the, it does if you castrate. Yeah, I think if you, yeah. yeah they, they, they're, they're no longer considered uh, such a dangerous animal. It's, it's rutting time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we went to buy some uh, uh, two castrated. Uh, reindeer, and they they bred them, and and they they had a a male in a in a in a, a pen, and yeah. he was going absolutely. If he could got to you, it was a real real nasty really? piece of work. Yeah, so, so uh, that that put us off uh, that side a bit a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like the ones with the red noses anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how how many people are employed? Must be a few. Uh, about two hundred and fifty. Say that again, Richard. Two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty. Wow. Yeah. When when did you hit a hundred, roughly? Well, it's hard to say now, isn't it? No idea. Probably about fifteen years ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah. So what's? 50? I mean, a lot of those people yeah. are part time and stuff. Yeah. We've a lot of students working for us. And, yeah, they, so. uh, yeah, but the majority. Uh, Full time, uh, yeah. yeah, right. There'll be at least one hundred and fifty full time staff. Yeah. Well, do you know it's quite interesting that, that one of the one of the farms you mentioned, Roger, at the start was was Cotswold Farm Park, and and the fact Adam Henson's dad had started that up, and and I find yeah. the fact is Adam Henson's actually really good friends with my mum's uncle. Well, no, sorry, <laughs> Adam Henson's dad was really good friends with my mum's uncle, and they 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 did a lot of rare breed stuff together and uh, I got Adam on the podcast way back this is episode 143 and I had him for 25 um, yeah. and uh, he from memory employed around the 110 mark so it's, it's quite cool to to consider the progression that's that's happened there so it went from yeah. from looking at that farm park when you hadn't started to, to where you are now it's, it's quite yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. impressive. The whole thing's impressive. Well, we got yeah, we got three restaurants now, which sort of yeah. take a lot. We got the farm shop, um, and you know we've we've a lot more staff sort of per acre than most farms would have. Yeah, yeah. I can um, imagine. <laughs> we bought another little farm about fifty acres, uh, but you know we're we're up to about hundred and ninety acres altogether now. But so we're not really, we're not really a farm of any. That could commercially, you know, it, we, we we've had to sort of think on our feet and do things very but, differently. But it's, it would be nice if sort of those family farms could continue at sort of two hundred acres and under. Really, they were viable, and uh, because they were happening all of the countryside, really. Which 
which is worrying. You know, when you think when you when when we're in farming, yeah, we're, I'm not talking about us, but when when random people hear two hundred acres, they think, oh, landed gentry, like you could make millions from that. I don't think you should be able to make millions, but I think you should be able to make a fair chunk from, and you just can't. You know, it just without doing something like you guys have done or any form of alteration away from the conventional, it just it can't happen, which is kind of worrying. Well, I think, in some ways. I think um, there's over fifty percent of farmers now have some sort of diversification yeah. involved in the business, aren't they? So yeah. it's it's just essential, basically. If you're gonna, unless you've got a huge place, and even then you're well, you're you, at the you, vagaries. You've of, got the same problem, and then you. The same problem with selling your produce, really. And the margins are still the same. You know, you're, you're mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, yes, yeah, maybe there's some economies of scale, but no, here it's, I think it's so commendable. And it's it's one of those things that we, it's so accepted now, like you say, Richard, over over half of us are doing it. Um, but to be one of the ones to sort of really push that sort of envelope, if you will, right at the start and, and where you are now is brilliant. So if I was if I was to come to the farm today, what, what could I expect? What could I... What could I, what could I do with my day? Well, we have like a tractor and trailer ride. We have big. I mean, it depends whether you're not kids or not. Kids obviously mm -hmm. make it a more barracks. Groups, although, latterly, we do get a lot more older couples, and but okay. I think the, that's the, that's a the online and the yeah. TV thing has, yeah. has made it more popular with with the older end. Who yeah. there's a, there's a certain sort of. Uh, group of people who just uh, yeah love the sort of the the idea of the life and the farming family and that sort of thing and and I think that's what we do very well is we is we uh, we get that across on social media and I mean the, like the, the the pandemic was a a shocking thing really and uh, it it looked as if it was going to be quite serious to us and so it could have finished us off really if you yeah. think about it we went from. I mean, we were lucky in that we diversified quite a lot before, before yeah. because we we still had the farm shop, yeah. Um, and the farm shop's turnover doubled right. in that time, so we moved a lot of our staff who were making, like who well, were chefs, the chefs, they moved over into the farm shop. We're making ready meals. Ah, um, Some of the waitresses and stuff like and waiters. We we, we managed to try. Well, we tried very hard to, to, to have as many uh continuing to work as, as we, ne we we never we never furloughed more than ten percent of our workforce. Wow. So, did you rotate furlough or did you how did that um, work? You, you, well, you know, it was people who actually wanted to be furloughed a lot. Yeah. Oh, fair. Yeah. yeah. It was um yeah, people who who uh, wanted to spend more time with their families and stuff like that and could and we're in a position to do that well some people had to do to look after yeah. people yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. So, it was uh, your time even forgetting business it's hard to believe it was so recent really yeah. you know like it seems a yeah. long time ago but what we had we had a, <clears throat> a lot of uh, sheep to lamb and things like that and nobody to look at them so robert started doing a daily, a daily uh, two-hour. Uh, what? Well, seven thirty in the morning, an hour and a half or two hours. He'd just spend showing them the new lambs. If there were any being born, then you'd see it. Yeah. And he and he said, "I'm going to carry on with this until the end of lockdown." He didn't realize it was going to be 150 days. <laughs> so, but he did. He stuck at it, you know, like and uh, he did it. He did it. Yeah, 150 days on the trot. And by the time we done, we we. We got awarded a, a Telegraph Lockdown Lift Award and a, a Prime Minister's Point of Light Award and an O2 Award. So, so what, were the, what were those awards for specifically? What were they? For, for basically keeping the nation's spirits up during lockdown, oh, yeah. you know. Which, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, we didn't really set off to do that, no, you know. No, like no. <laughs> the people are still coming and said, you just kept, uh, kept me going yeah. in that period because people were living on their own. And there's something to look for. I think we were company and something to get up for, you know, like. Uh, so we, we, we feel quite proud of that fact that people have appreciated it as much as they have. Uh, well, and we did yeah. a bit of good, really. Yeah. Was 
and pardon my, I'm sure there's people listening that think, how can you not have watched this? But I did say to Richard, <laughs> Roger off camera. There's a lot, Roger. there's a lot to watch, isn't there? A lot of different <laughs> around. Here, and I'm, I'm not quite doing two hours a day, but I'm probably filming for, I don't know, a. Ten hours a week, a month, so uh, you know, you know, I I don't sit down and watch TV too often, so please don't be offended. But what did the did the TV stuff had it already started before lockdown, or did it come because of this social media side of thing? Yeah, it had already started. We'd done a year or two of springtime on the farm, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, but they said initially we'll have to shut it all down completely, but we sort of had a think and. Um, and 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 we said, well, maybe we could we could film some of it, and uh, and and you could put it together, and it could be. And they decided they could host it remotely, so we had sort of Helen Skelton and and Jules in their gardens hosting the 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 show, and then it were clipping to recorded stuff that we'd you know, done. We doing on on phone, didn't it? Really? Yeah, it was just yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, it was quite a learning experience for everybody. I think. But we've got Dale who works for us. Who's he's he's he was started with us as a farm worker, but he uh, he's he's taken a, a liking to to video work yeah. And, yeah. and you know sometimes people just sort of come along at the right times in in this business somehow it seems and uh, and and do a, do a good job you know so we uh, we just. And it's happened in other parts of the business as well, you know, like when we opened our deli up and uh, yeah. uh, somebody who'd been making pies for for years and selling them on Penniston Market came and said, we'd like to come and work for you. Yeah. And literally like within two weeks before we opened and uh, so we, we took them on and they'd, they'd done a great job for us ever since, you know. So Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, like the lockdown side of things what what happened with that as well was we you know we were being watched in america quite a lot you know now 17 percent of the people who follow us now are in america um it's, yeah I, I was going to ask about this because in and and i'm not trying to advertise your competition but we had ben best of dalscon farm on the podcast uh, I, the social media side similar in, in some ways and they said the states was about that 20 percent as well yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And well, we've added a lot recently on that. I don't know. The the algorithms must have changed or something because all of a sudden we've we've leapt up to nearly six hundred thousand followers on Facebook. Mm. So that's I mean, we were it was not that long since we were about three hundred thousand. So it's it, really it happens. I mean, I'm a bit of a social media nerd, like for a bit of background, I've written a PhD proposal in social media analytics, right? Um, right. Yeah, a, a nerd. That's the only word, um, but with an application to agriculture. But that, that randomly happens. And folk, you know, even experts look at the algorithm. No one knows the algorithm apart from Meta, only the company that know it own it. And you've just got to track what works and stuff. And then randomly you see this utterly exponential burst. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that it happened to yourself, actually, because uh, I do sort of follow followership yeah. things. So, uh, yeah, pretty impressive. Well, we had one video recently that, that that's had 42 million views. 42 million? Yeah. That's yeah. And that coincided with that, with maybe a, a hundred thousand new followers in a month. Yeah, forty-two so, million. Yeah, what's that? Uh, I think they were looking at it in India. They were quite because it's a, a farming background. I think India is obviously a farming country because they're, they're to feed feed all those millions, aren't they? So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think has as India now. I think in the last few weeks taken over as the most <clears throat> most um, populated country in the world. Is month. it? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm just looking. Is this cow calving live at Cannon Hall? Is that the one that blew up? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 Fifty-six million reach. I think that one. Fifty-six million reach. That is phenomenal. Yeah, you've well, got I mean, almost half completely out of the blue, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think it was the timing of the, the carving actually. He, he went online when they'd already got the carving ropes on, so it was a yeah. fairly instant gratification sort of thing. In that the calf came out within a minute or so of the video starting, and I think that's quite important with, with 
because people, you know, your average viewing time of those 42 million mm-hmm. is 30 odd seconds. <laughs> so most, a lot of them missed it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, uh, but you know, that, that's, uh, it, it's a, an imprecise science, but, but luckily we get it right quite a lot of the mm-hmm. time, but never to that degree. No, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things on the, not taking off like that. No, no, no. It, it is interesting because I mean, like, I, I don't know if you know Richard Cornock, um, it, the funky farmer. More YouTube than Facebook. Um, uh, I don't do. I don't do much not, YouTube, but I know it's uh, yours. We should do TikTok as well because that seems to be the yeah. Uh... You can't. You can't monetize TikTok though. It's only promotional. Um, right. if, if you look at TikTok, some of the biggest creators in the country, like even away from farming, like KSI, who's got 20 million followers on YouTube and oh, yeah. 17 million on Instagram and stuff, he makes like two grand a month from TikTok. Like, there's no money, you know. So, <laughs> he's gonna be nice. Fury soon, he'll make more out of that. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Here, he probably will. Um, but, but my point is, it's a purely promotional tool. But, but the, the thing with Richard is, Richard's got quite a lot of big videos on YouTube, but. Only one, one sitting at twenty million, and it's just consistently watched in India. It's just India. Right. I love, yeah. Here, God, I'm probably boring you two with this stuff, but I love that side of it. Um, no, I love it as well. It's it's interesting to me because my side is the artistic side, and a lot of yeah. the photographs and stuff it, like that that we put on it. It's been amazing mine to as me. well. Yeah, <laughs> it's what but, you know. You wouldn't be without it, would you? I mean, merchandise during lockdown, we we started. We got the idea. Robert sort of coined this phrase of "oak," yeah. And, uh, and before before <laughs> we knew what happened, we got t-shirts with "oak" on, caps with "oak" on, scarves yeah. with "oak" on, socks with "oak" on, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and and we, you know, we've continued, and that that that's still doing, yeah, yeah, still still doing good trade, really, yeah. We we have we have our supporters. Club, is it? Or... Oh yeah, we have another. We we also, I mean, we 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 shied away from it. We've been asked by Facebook before if we wanted to have a subscribers channel. Okay. And it, and it it seemed the right time to do it because we thought we've not got any more. You know, we we we've not getting money from much else. We've got the farm shop, but you know that's still a big lump missing from our normal revenue. So we we did the subscribers at like three pound forty nine a month for. Just extra little videos, content, supporters, lives, and we've got we went up to about four thousand of those paying three forty nine a month, so that was quite good. Um, it's dropped back a little bit, so but you know we can see that it is going up again now well, we because still, of these additional hundreds of thousands that we're getting. We're Laura are deciding to do. Yeah, we still do the, the, the sort of free ones. Don't we? Yeah, we do. We do a yeah. free one on a Sunday and a Wednesday morning at seven thirty, like we always did. Robert yeah. usually does them if he's available, and me and, and Dad stand in, or or Dale, or whatever. If yeah, if he's not, and those patrons, whatever you want to call them, subscribers. Sorry, subscribers, isn't it? Do they get, mm. get extra content? Yeah, they get more. Yeah, right yeah, content. they get they get more pictures. They get. Two supporters lives a week in a, on a on a weekday afternoon. I think they are. Yeah, um, and and you know just a they just get a bit of it. They get they get early notice of certain products that we sell, and we do supporters days where they come. Yeah. You know, we generally get about a thousand people come into a supporters day. Yeah, yeah. And we you know we just do a little chat on stage about whatever's been happening lately and maybe we have a special guest we had kelvin um kelvin fletcher recently um and uh we've had the yorkshire vets as well who are always popular yeah we've done food festivals as well in the past i mean i'd like to do i'd like to do them again but rob and dave don't seem to be as keen as me so well I mean, it's like it, it, we've a lot to we have a lot we, to do. <laughs> we've a lot to do, and, and the land can't they can't stand it because you need so much more parking. Uh, yes. 
and uh, if it, if it's a rainy day, they do it can do a lot of damage. So uh, the sky is the limit, really, as far as yeah. like growing it. But at the same time, it's you know you've got to pick and choose what you want to do, I suppose. Yeah, you got you uh, got to have a you got to have a life as well. So mm-hmm. and planning is the biggest issue, which I assume is a challenge with parking, or is maybe it's not. Um, well, I don't know. We've always. Why can you not hear it? Not so well, yeah. Sorry, Sorry I'm speaking too far away from the speaker, Roger. My bad. Uh, I'm saying about planning causing issues with parking, but maybe, maybe it doesn't. Well, we've we sort of we've we've got on okay, you know. Like, I mean, we've got good there, there were yeah. right at the start we had real trouble. Yeah. We nearly didn't get the tea room planning really, um, because we had a lot of local opposition at the time but you know i think what you've got to do is prove your prove the case commercially and financially and jobs wise and then they'll look on you a, li- a little bit more kindly and yeah. and probably not rub them up <laughs> the wrong way you know like there's some well i think i think we've had a, a good relationship with the planning people aren't we just right that's uh, good late yeah, I'm not saying we did immediately, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 used to get bus parties coming in, and and they complained about that, so uh, the council did. And yeah, so, because we're next door to a council site, we're next door to Cannonall oh, yeah. Museum, which is, you know, it, it's owned by Barnsley Council. They bought that back in 1950 something. Yeah. Around near the time that we we bought the farm, I suppose they were just disposing of the, the bits around that yeah. the museum, really. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I know I know that that a lot of people do have problems with with planning, um, and I'm not, I wouldn't say that we've never had any, um, but eventually we seem to have got. I think they've been very good, really, when you think about the the farm buildings we've put up. And, uh... Yeah, when you look at a when you look at an aerial view of the place <laughs> now, compared with, with yeah. I've got an old picture that that a chap managed to sell us for about thirty quid back in the day when he went up in an aeroplane, and yeah. uh, and and there's not much here. Yeah, really, yeah. you know, like it's uh, and the roofs are on some of the buildings. Yeah, and... they pulled them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so half a roof on and uh, <laughs> half mended, half not. And uh, yeah. So, so I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer. And I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. For the listeners out there that somehow listen to the R2 cast but don't watch Cannon Hall Farm, probably like the four of you listening, um, how 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 do they find you on TV? Uh, Channel 5 um, will be, we'll be on again uh, for Winter on the Farm and Christmas on the farm. Yeah, I think. Mind you, have they been have they been announced yet? Oh, sure. I think they have. I think they have. I think they said they're doing those. Yeah, yeah, we've got to be careful with that. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Channel Five. So I mean, you know, we never know a long way in advance whether or not you're going to be recommissioned or whatever. And for sure, and we're very aware that eventually, you know, TV shows don't go on for forever. You know, and we've been on quite a long time, really. In the in the, but we do have this this loyal following of supporters who will vote for us for <laughs> like your TV Choice Awards we won last year against some really big hitting programs. You know, so um, so we and that's down to that public vote repair shop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's yeah, it's down to those those sort of loyal. Supporters who who stick with us and and will vote for us and uh, and and you know we we owe them everything really uh, through through lockdown and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. They... 
I think you know the award-winning things interesting. I mean, <laughs> the awards you guys are talking about are much, much bigger than the ones I'm going to mention. But I, I just get nominated for a Scottish Farming Award for the Young Initiative, Young Farming Initiative of the Year, where I basically just did a charity fundraiser where I walked around Island and from uh, twice, so a total of 112 miles, um, for RSABI and SAYFC, and I was just talking about mental health and. I try walk a hundred kilometers a week, and it's I've lost like three stone, well, actually almost four stone, and, and the benefits I've had, and I was really open about that. Um, unfortunately, the walk didn't end because I got hit by a car. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, we all hit bumps on the road with these things. I just didn't expect to be the bump in the road, but um, the 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 walk has been nominated for that, and and the awards really nice and you feel yourself along with these other people and you're like oh my god am I really deserving of this and whatever and, and the reason I'm saying this story is sort of leading up to a question like you guys are sort of with Kelvin Fletcher, Jules Holland uh, 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 Helen Skelton, and these sort of folk does it feel strange that you're just with them quite often? Does that feel strange or is that just normal now? They're very normal people actually Yeah, They're very down to earth We've not we've not had any sort of unfortunate experiences with celebrities <laughs> like some people say they do that they say so and never meet your heroes and all that sort of thing, don't they? But yeah. but they are all really nice people. So it does feel fairly normal because yeah, because you you know you know them and you and you you know they're all right really. Yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. What, what what do you mean like the Yorkshire vets? Oh, yeah. 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 They're. They're pretty good, uh, and uh, and the presenters. I mean, the the really. I remember you really saying you, you wish when the Yorkshire vet came on the TV before we ever met him. You said, "I wish my vets were like that." <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not to disparage any vets that we've had in the past, no, no. but but he, he really rated Peter, and he yeah, and he and he thought he came across brilliant on TV, Peter Wright, and. Yeah. Uh, and he and he's exactly what you yeah exactly what you see, what you see on yeah yeah and he's a funny fella isn't yeah, he yeah he laughs a lot and uh, yeah he's, he's he's a great fella and uh, but, uh, yeah all of them I mean uh, Ellen and Jules they they proved to be very good friends really and yeah uh, and you know they're on the they're on farming side as well I would say that you know like that that the, there is some people sort of out there looking to have a pop out there, you know, like occasionally. Oh, but they are very much, very much, you know, Ellen's a, a, a farmer's daughter and... Uh, Yours, he, he loves the countryside. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he, he likes his country pursuits and stuff like yeah, that, doesn't yeah. he? He likes riding and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he's very much into uh, into that side of things. He's, bit, he's an archaeologist by training. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah, I thought he could do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he's a, he's a he's a complicated fellow. But like um, officer training as well, I think. Uh, yeah, Jill's did, but he I think he's originally he's written a book on wall gardens, and we've got one of those oh. next door, you know. So yeah, yeah he's, a, he's an interesting character. And, uh, yeah, he, he originated part of his family originated from just over the hill, literally right. a mile away. Yeah, did but you he, know them or no? He didn't know that at one time, but he does oh. now. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Here, guys, it's it's always quite cool to, to have a chat with, you know, personalities like yourself with, uh, you know, a massive following and actually sort of getting the bones of things. Because normally what's posted in is, is sort of what's happening at the minute, what's happening and actually going into history is, is really quite nice. It's quite special. So, um, I really, Tia, I've really appreciated your time, first off, and I've really enjoyed the story as well. Uh, to sort of see Roger from yourself starting as as a teenager, um, and sort of take well starting younger than a teenager, but really taking on a lot of a lot of responsibility <laughs> at that age, and then the progression to what's employing a quarter of a thousand folk is pretty, pretty impressive, really. I mean, it's got to be up there with some of the most impressive stories when you consider the progression of a farm business. Um, so thank you for your time on that. However, before we sort of near the end of a, a podcast episode, there's there's two things that that we ask everyone everyone gets these questions and one of them i'll be honest is horrible i'm not a fan of one of them but i ask everyone anyway about the 135th to be asked these questions so um uh, they, they are one is where do you see yourselves in five years and the other one is if you had any tips for folk coming into farming what would they be <clears throat> right 
you, you need a, a second or two to think about. Well, that, I, I, I actually, <laughs> I've got, I've got a little plan that when I, I want to write, finish this cookbook, I'm, I'm sort of twenty thousand words in or whatever. Uh, but I really need to find some focus. But what I'd like to do, what well, I'm, I'm uh, every every week, I, I broadcast on our farm shop page, which has only got twenty thousand people following it on Facebook. So if anybody wants to follow that, then uh, then please do. But I, I cook live every Wednesday evening at six thirty, right. and I'd like to write this cookbook, which has got a lot of it's got a lot of recipes from. Like historical ones in it, but it's it's also got quite a lot that I've created myself, um, and uh, and I just feel that I, I, we have another farm called Mill Farm right. uh, that we that we bought about two thousand and four, I think. And there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like little like wild garlic and wild watercress and stuff there, and uh, I cook the, doing the foraging side of things. Yes. That sort of thing, and I'd like to expand that food side of it. I'd like him to get better at it. Make sure he <laughs> well, I've, I've been tonight. Actually, I picked some uh, shaggy ink cap mushrooms and made an omelette with them. Right, and uh, and it was lovely. Actually, made it with rock four cheese and uh, and um, and these mushrooms. So I don't know. I think I think we could expand that side of things, and I'm. I've got a few ideas about how we could do that and maybe even do little courses where you do half a day's foraging and then cook with it in the afternoon, that sort of thing. Foraging's fearfully well, interesting the, to me. The second, the second uh, <clears throat> question about encouraging people to, to uh, go into farming and such, I think uh, we've got a good record here because people, people come to work for us for... Uh, for the school, yes, experience and such, and the the number of people that have sort of uh, gone on to uh, to work in that sector or the veterinary sector, uh, we I'm, yeah, I'm, David, one of the vets, he, he used to run around in front of our racing sheep, shaking a bag of food. <laughs> right, uh, okay. yeah. Hey, now he's on the telly on the Yorkshire vets. Yeah. So. I'm very, I'm very sort of proud of the fact that we have helped so many young people into lots of, uh, well, lots of different jobs, but uh, some connected with farming and such. And uh, I think I'm proud of the fact that we've done that and yeah. helped them all the way. And yeah. you know, like in the farm shop, like people like Oliver. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a brilliant butcher now. Yeah. You yeah. know, like and. And um, and farming needs all those support. Well, your average well. age of a farmer and the average age of a butcher are very similar in the, the, the late fifties. Right. Yeah. So well, that I'm, is I'm, not that's not a great thing, is it? Really, you I'm know, pushing the average. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue, you know. Yeah, I hear it's true. It is true, and um, yeah, I mean, I've I've had a few butchers on the podcast, and one um. I can't remember what age Justine was, but I think she was 31. And uh, she was like, they go to training days and stuff like that. And she's like, I might be half the age of the next youngest, you know? And it's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> I say worrying as if it's worrying having those people working in it. That's not what I mean. We just need to have that average a bit lower. Like, it's pretty high. Um, and that means you've got folk working at an older age that um, probably continue on in some cases where... From a safety perspective, it's not encouraged, and yeah, it's, it's a you make a very good point. Very good point. Yeah, well, fa farmers they, they go on forever, don't they? And until they drop, really, yeah. And that, I suppose that makes the age a bit higher than uh, it normally would, but uh, they're not doing a full job, but they uh, they, they just like to carry on because it's well, my dad's still the best stockman we've got, you know, he can he can <laughs> walk around field and spot, well, spot something. That. Something that's wrong better than anybody else on place. I mean, he's got plenty of experience of it. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah they're, they're, I think they're going to try and stop me going around and not find it then. But no, it's <laughs> it's essential part of farming actually to uh, to spot those problems in Still. the in, from in the boat. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, here, listen, gents. It's been a pleasure. A really good chat and. 
and time in these podcasts flies by. It's been more than an hour. It just sort of disappears. Um, and I've I've really enjoyed the chat with you. I hope you two have as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, so thank you both very much for your time. Good luck with your award. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, heading up to Glasgow in a couple of weeks for that. So that should be quite good. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. For those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed uh, another good episode of the R Two Cast. Um, you'll probably notice our sponsors have sort of changed. I'm now sponsored by Howden Rural, which used to be A Plan Rural, so still the same folk, just with a fancy new name. So when you do my wee interludes halfway through the podcast here and there, it is still the same people. As I try to make a good point of, um. Those that follow the accounts, sort of social media accounts, you'll probably see them quite busy trying to talk about the, the battles with um, environmental sustainability and whether I'm actually causing a problem. Because in the next few weeks, I'll be flying out to the States uh, to, to speak um, just about agricultural education to some, well, 60,000 students. Uh, potentially bring some over to SRUC and try and make my trip worthwhile as well as that I'll be doing some speaking in Shetland flying up to Shetland for a, a weekend and, and a few other places as well so if you are in Scotland or England in the vicinity and, and you do want me to come and speak please feel free to get in touch on social media uh, or the email or number but another great episode under our belts the next episode we have coming up is with Nerys Lewis as I said earlier quite heavily involved in the Welsh side of young farmers so another good episode coming up there but as always thank you very much for listening and, and we shall see you for the next episode of the R2 cast. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have, and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector, and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far, and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out Howden Insurance dot co dot uk forward slash rural and i'll see you for the next episode